Good evening, and welcome to a very sobering edition of the JME Sports Blog Podcast. <laughs> I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. Uh, how you doing, Rob? You recovered it all from Saturday? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay. It was yeah. frustrating in the moment, but with the benefit of hindsight and really trying to take the big picture, I'm at the risk of sounding like a, <laughs> the blatant homer that I am. I'm actually incredibly proud of this team and the accomplishments that it made this year. The run mm-hmm. to the semis, it hurts to go out in the semis. Unfortunately, this is something we have experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the way JMU did it was particularly <sighs> gut-wrenching and, yep. and hard to even fathom. It still didn't seem real. But, hey, they, they made a run to the semifinals in a season that was paused multiple times with different players being thrust. Uh, we can get into this later, but I, I'm okay. I, I'm okay. I don't like losses. I would rather they be playing next weekend. But hey, man, the, the future's bright. The it future's helps bright. that they're playing in like three and a half months. It does. Yes. That does make it a little more palatable. Like, yes. I will say that. Like, the turnaround. It's not lingering. Yeah. Normally, uh, we're going to talk about these later. Um, we're going to do some worse losses uh, in OT tonight. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some heartbreak on this pod. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about some happy things first. Uh, before that, as always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Going to get the business out of the way first, Rob. Um, thanks to the guys at Mossy Creek. Uh, it's a great time to get out there. You know, only two more months till, you know, even the athletic department can take a, take a couple weeks breather after all this COVID craziness of this year and um, hopefully join the guys from Mossy Creek out on the water. Um, go into the store, mention the podcast, you'll get a free Mossy Creek sticker and just get everything you need for the summer. Weather's getting nicer finally and uh, it's time to go. So we're going to start tonight. We're going to do just a couple minutes here. We're going to start not on football. Sorry, everybody. We're going to start with the happy news. Um, well, I guess we'll start with some sad news. Women's tennis lost to Tennessee in the NCAA tournament. Incredible season for them. Back to back. CAA championships and just enormous things on the horizon for that program. So congrats to the women's tennis team. Uh, Rob, women's golf played today in the opening day of the women's regional at Louisville. I saw there, I think they're tied for like 11th and they need to get to the top six to Hmm. advance to the finals. And um, as we saw in the CAA tournament, when they were 15 strokes back going into the last day and pulled it out, um, that's not an impossible task. Uh, I, I have to say today's the first day I've paid attention in a while. And every, like four of the six women shot in the seventies, like around 75, like it's good golf anywhere. Like, I don't, yeah, you that's... know, that's pretty strong play there um, from a young team. So good luck to them tomorrow or today, by the time most people listen to this. And then the two biggest pieces of news, Rob, I mean, the biggest one of the weekend, the biggest happy part of the weekend, was the lacrosse team coming back from down 12-9 in the championship, uh, scored the last four, scored three goals to tie it and send it to overtime, and then scored in overtime. Um, So four straight goals to close out Drexel. They are going to, it was awesome, right? That was a bit of a palate cleanser after after Saturday's Saturday's game. To Um, have the show on the other foot. And I can't remember, this was at Centera Park at JMU. I think that was always the plan. I don't think that was a COVID I don't think we should get any whining from. I don't know. I I don't know how this works, but if, if they won four straight either. titles, and I think there's some like home field to last year's winner thing in CAA. So I, I don't remember how all this works, but hopefully there's not a lot of whining and crying from 
the northern CAA schools on this. I mean, I've got with the whining, I've become immune to it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was well, really, I, I thought this was maybe their most impressive championship, too. G- given the fact that they really had some moments where they were not playing well. You know, they dropped yeah. the game to Elon, they, they mm-hmm. struggled, they got. You know, UNC is a heck of a program, but they weren't even competitive early in the mm-hmm. season. So, and it really looked like, oh, something's wrong. Like, this is off. So, great coaching job by Coach Shelley. Mm-hmm. And really, all the girls just stepping up. It's really nice to see when teams peak at, at the right time. And the CA is no slouch. It wasn't just like they no. slept, walked through some games. They got four and they teams. Got together. Four teams. That's four more than ACC. the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Granted, the ACC only has four teams in the league. No. But Drexel, Towson, Astra all got in. Um, yeah. And Drexel was top five RPI. Um, well, and top I just, ten in both polls. Hofstra's top. 10. I mean, this is not just like the tail end of, of you know things didn't go their way with with other conferences. Or something. This is four teams that really earned their way in. Yeah. And uh, uh, don't get me started. The CAA. Mm, I just sorry. This is an explicit warning on this podcast tonight. There, there may be some <laughs> some anger flowing um, in many directions, uh, but this. Freaking CAA, I, you know, they give Molly Doherty second team. And then they, she, of course, she's the most outstanding player in the CAA tournament. Yeah. She's a freaking two time All American or runner, second team All American. Yeah. I mean, in the USA development program, clearly, like, you know, up the, you know, just, just in another level compared to yeah. most of those conference. And then and they can't, it just drives me insane. Uh, as you said, this team had a real turnaround. They struggled early in the season. They struggled with COVID uh, protocols early in the season. They had some pauses. Mm-hmm. They had some missed games. They had a really hard time with weather early in the season. They had injuries. Um, Katie Chikoski getting her back this last part of the season. I mean, she's been a huge factor, was a huge factor again this weekend. And, you know, she's someone, I don't know, how many years ago did we start doing this? A while back. But the year they won the title, we talked to Coach Shelley before the season, and she was, like, so excited about these young players, Chikoski yeah. and Haggerty, and now they're the veteran players and they've been missing her and getting her back was huge. Um, it's just great to see. I, I also love the, by the way, uh, style comment here, uh, probably inappropriate for an old man, but um, I love that Charlotte Haggerty doesn't wear socks. That was my, <laughs> that was my high school athlete move. The non socks. It's the, the worst. Look, or the... It's the worst look ever. Um, but it will make you be, no, and, but people will notice. And there was a guy when I was playing a, an older player and I was like, how come you don't wear socks? And he was like, well, you noticed, didn't you? And I was like, that was brilliant. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I definitely noticed. So um, that's fun. Look, they have, Quite the Wait, draw. did you wear no socks or just like no no, no show no, socks? It was just like no show socks. Yeah, yeah no show. Exactly. Okay. Um, exactly. But that was like awkward on the football field at the time, or nobody else yeah. really pulled that off. So, um, but the funny, yeah. So they play Hopkins um, on Friday in the first round of the tournament. I think five or six p.m. Friday evening, and the winner gets UNC rematch. So, yeah. uh, you know, we will really see where this team you know, how far they've come. These are, you know, traditional lacrosse schools here. And you, you know, that we said a couple of weeks ago, this season in women's lacrosse has been UNC and Northwestern and then everybody else. It's been like, like it, the, literally the other, the rest of the top 25 JMU and all the CAA included it. You know, those have been the only two teams that have separated themselves and 
This would be a massive opportunity for JMU. Uh, as one thing about when we always say when you play the top seed, Rob, if you beat the top seed, then you replace them in the bracket. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're right. No, I mean, you really do. So considerably. You get an yeah. easier draw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be really fun to have that this weekend. And good luck to lacrosse. Congrats to Coach Shelley. Congrats to Molly Doherty. Emma Johnson, who came back. You know, so many good, good performances from this team. And... The other one, Rob, is softball finished the regular season 31-1. and We talked about this last week. The CAA tournament will start for them probably Wednesday evening. Uh, you know, the tournament has – this is one where they play all the games on the same field. So uh, JMU is scheduled to be the third or fourth game of the day. I never am quite – You never know sure. when it's going to start. You never know start. when it's going to yeah. take place. And then if there's weather, you don't even know if it's going to take place that day. So uh, I think it's supposed to be nice this weekend. Uh, obviously, we're – just our expectations are through the roof for this team in the tournament, in the tournament. Um, the pitching three headed monster right now of CC Alexander, Alexis Bermudez and Alyssa Humphrey is looks unhittable, much less. Un, I mean, they look so, so strong. And then the contributions from up and down the lineup are enormous with this team. I, I really, I, this is going to be a very nervous week for me, Rob, at the, you know, just just I, I I want them to win the CAA. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to leave it. Don't to want the, them to limp in. No, yeah. and the and, and it's not even about limping. It's just I don't want to leave it up in the air. We know how bad softball is slanted towards the Power Five. How little respect is given to teams outside of those conferences. Outside and, of the SEC and Pac-12. Yeah, it's, pretty much yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah, and and um, and in particular, in a year where most teams, JMU included, who are not in those conferences, did not have. They didn't get a chance to face those. Yeah, they don't have a, they have yeah. a, they don't have games on the resume to talk about, uh, really. So the softball selection show for the big dance is Sunday night at nine p.m. I think it's on ESPNU, but it's one of the ESPN networks. It should be available to almost everybody. That's really exciting because, damn you, CAA! This whole tournament this week is on Flow Sports again. Yeah. <sighs> just, I mean, this is just. This is the kind of thing that where it's just completely unacceptable. And I, I would rant, but there are so many other things to be angry about tonight. Yeah. So, Although, shout out in terms of when we talk about some of the inequ- inequities and, or mm-hmm. th- things being inequitable, particularly as we've seen highlighted with women's sports this year. Good job by ESPN doing the men's and women's lacrosse selection show as one show. Yes. I, I thought that was cool, but mm-hmm. particularly given all of the nonsense where they, you saw with the NCAA women's basketball tournament versus the men's basketball tournament mm-hmm. and facilities. And goodness gracious, the Oklahoma City versus Omaha oh. is is even worse. So yeah. It's nice to just kind of treat it like, hey, let's celebrate the sport and the athletes and, mm-hmm. and put it all in one. Um, I thought that was really neat. So nice job, ESPN. Yeah. And I also think in a sport that's like growing, uh, I mean, yeah, it, perpetually it, growing or always growing, but it, yeah. you know, it's and nice. it's kind of a culture that is both, it's like laxers, you know, yes. as, as somebody who was a part of that. These kids you know. all went to school together on, yeah. in the men's and women's programs. The top programs in men's and women's lacrosse, all of those kids went to high school together. They all watch each other play. There's no reason not to, as opposed to like other sports where I, I don't, you know, you don't know, right? But We these, would watch our girls team play because it would often, we'd have a game yeah. following, you know, and, and yeah. vice versa. So they'd hang around for us when I was in high school. So yeah. it is a little bit of that a little less gendered culture because the sports you're taking place. It's, it's just different than soccer or even basketball <laughs> right. where they're separate facilities a lot of times. Yeah. So uh, those are the good news. Um, 
With that, we're going to switch to four downs from the 38-35 collapse in Huntsville, Texas, to Sam Houston State this weekend. Um, off the top, congrats to Sam Houston. At, I wish I didn't have to say that. Um, they played their ass off, and they didn't quit. And, you know, we're going to talk about all the reasons that JMU lost this game, but I want to make sure off the top we say Sam, somebody else won it too. And there have been years in the past, Rob, you know, I think about JMU coming back to beat Weber in a game they had no business winning yeah. in 17. Um, you know, I think about JMU App State. This, this game for Sam Houston fans is going to be their App State game. You know, this is the game you will talk about 15 years from now. I was at the game where we were down 24 to 3 to the big, bad opponent. And we came back and we won 38-35, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is – our kid got hurt. All this stuff happened. And, and you, uh, you know, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And there's no good way to say it. But why don't you get us started with whatever you want to, Rob, for first down. On the whatever field, off I the want. field, <laughs> during the game, after the game. Yeah, what, do you got to get a binder out here? <laughs> I, I actually took notes. I'm going through my notes. Um, I, I don't even know where to go. I, I guess – Everything I talk about tonight will just be some variation of me ranting against somewhat of the reaction. But before we do that, can I just talk kind of against the grain a little bit and give a little bit of praise to Cole Johnson, Hell yeah, the running backs, and the entire offensive philosophy? Yes. And I know people are already turning this off and they're like, oh, you know, screw it, Signetti apologist. This was a team that many of us thought was completely out of sorts, had no identity. We couldn't figure it out. They couldn't move the ball against Elon or Robert Morris, the school I always call Randolph Macon on the podcast by accident. Um, It just, it it was not looking good earlier. And then it gets down to the point where they put up 35 points over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And all anybody's talking about is the points they left on the field or the shortcomings. Um, The play callings for all they they play to lose and, or they played, they play, play not to lose. They don't play to win, and they're not aggressive. Cole Johnson is a guy that we all thought had lost his job against Eli. He just put back-to-back two of the best games. Mm-hmm. We've seen a JMU quarterback have, and people are saying, oh, no, he missed three passes. He was fantastic. He was yeah, absolutely fantastic. fantastic. Um, they averaged, what, 16 yards of reception? And this is supposedly a dink-and-dunk offense, and all they can do is run. I just I completely reject the narrative Yes. That JMU offensively plays not to lose instead mm-hmm. of playing to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear all the complaints not this about week. not this week, you know, oh the play calling, uh, you know, they you were, and I were texting. They were in the first quarter, the narrative had already started about this play calling's pathetic. Oh look, what are they doing? Bunch formations and they Because we to... kicked the ball in the back of somebody's head and had to be yeah. on the one yard line. Like, yeah. You get it in the one, so you try to do that. And it's also like Hey, you know what? We've got a stable of running backs. This has worked against UND. Let's try to establish it. It didn't work. And then, so what do they do in the second quarter? They start taking chances. Mm-hmm. They start looking because, you know, Sam Houston's selling out to stop the run. And then what do you know? Johnson hits a couple big ones and Wells Jr. gets it. And then everybody's like, oh, see, I told you. Why didn't you do this from day one? I should. Because do people not understand the way football works? You and I were texting. Right, we're like, a- anybody who complains about play calling in the first quarter or tweet something out, should change their like Twitter avatar to like I I've never watched a game before. Yeah, I don't understand that. You know what you do early might open things up later, or it's it just was 
it was crazy. Like that was a really good offensive performance. Um, everybody's talking about how the offense is what led them blew it, which is the stupidest thing. The offense I heard all day. Thirty-five points. Five points. They the get- offense touched the ball one time during that entire five-minute epic yes. collapse. Yeah. yeah, like they came out. Okay, the first drive was a bit of a dud coming, but then they had a nice long drive. They converted a couple third and medium, third and longs on the ground, kept the clock running, got three points. It should have been comfortable. And then all hell broke loose and everybody starts being like, see the offense. Oh, this is playing not to playing not to lose is what got us here. How does scoring, you know, how does getting out to a 24 to three lead and then tacking another field goal, how does that lead to blowing a 21 point lead? Like I, I, I cannot understand the mindset of people where they just continue to pick at the same scabs over and over again. When this team has taken, this is a totally different offensive team mm-hmm. than we saw earlier. And it was a really good offensive team. And then even after everybody's banging on them for defense and special surrendering the lead, they came out and put together a scoring drive mm-hmm. and then drove down the field. Just like I, just, I thought the offense did well enough to win. And yeah. I thought they did a lot of things well. Mm-hmm. And to me, I look at that performance. I look at all the growth they had over the year. I look at all the players that were missing in terms of mainly offensive linemen. And I look at the fact that we were throwing the ball to guys that we'd never seen in a Jamie uniform prior mm-hmm. to the season. And I just, I'm so excited about if, if Cole comes back, this offense could be a really, really strong unit. It's never going to be one of these rub it in your face, 77 to three type type offenses. But it could very well be a 35, 40 point a game offense. And I, I just I don't understand why that is the criticism. I thought the offense was terrific. I thought it was the best unit of the three. By far, uh, right? Uh, Defense and special you know? teams cost us this game. You know, I'm sorry, yeah. that's the truth. And yeah. yeah, I mean, a couple things on that. I mean, first on the play calling thing, and you know, we heard from some people who are like, this looks like Mickey. And I'm like, first of all, no, it doesn't. No, not they, at all. They ran a Throw what a a reverse a flea. I don't even know what that trick play was yeah, to cheat him to the tight end. Yeah, they ran plays where he got Noah Turner, a guy we haven't heard. Like I, I didn't even know yeah. who that was catching the ball mm-hmm. wide open. They yeah. ran a play to Austin Douglas, who hasn't played since Elon. Like yeah. they took the, and they threw deep to Wells. Cheatham was back. We Cheatham said back. we said we'd like to see Cheatham. He he had a big catch and just... and. Well, they, they managed to get the ball deep to Wells in different places. You know, the interception wasn't really Cole's fault. It went right through Wells' hands. That was kind you know, of fluky. I mean, I, yeah. it's a, kind of a fluky thing. You know, I, I just, all of that drove me nuts. And then on, on Cole in particular, <laughs> you know, I, I got a text from Drink with the like T.O. Tony Romo gif about, that's, that's my quarterback. quarterback. Like yeah. for the first time, he was like, this guy's given us like the gritty performance we all dreamed of. It was you know, so funny. And he's standing on the sidelines with a broken thumb that they said after the game, he's going to have to have surgery, surgery on and might not yeah. be able to play again. Yeah. And people are yelling about, why is Signetti going to gauge now? And they're like, no one's going to gauge. No now. one's gauge. <laughs> like, they, the whole thing was insane. It so, was insane. Like you wonder uh, if these people have ever watched a football game. Like as bad as, did you look at the message board? I looked at this morning. We outgained them. By like yeah. over a hundred yards. Yeah, I I, I yeah. did briefly look at the message board. It was hilarious. But there's a bunch of like, um, I I don't know. 
I'm going to use, I'm going to use words I shouldn't now. Yeah, it, it was, it's just hilarious that, it's that just, it's the just, offense yeah. was the best unit in the game. And, yes, and I will I'm say like about the very end of the game. I wish they had yes. found a, I wish they didn't blow the timeouts. Yeah. That's on the coaches. Yes. The special, the consistent special teams debacle is mostly on the coaches. I agree. But the general overall philosophy, game plan, 35 points, 453 yards on the road in Texas, they what do you want them to do? I mean, I know. And I, just... three touchdowns in the air, one rushing and a badass two-point conversion from Cole in this yeah. game, and you want to blame this on the quarterback? Like this is you know, the two, the idea that they're too conservative. I'm like, what the hell does offense have to do with blowing a 21 point lead? And Wells they, was the best player on the field. Well, until I mean, the well, other is the guy, the returner yeah. re- receiver for Sam Houston. But they were clearly going tit for tat this whole game. And as and you know what, Rob? The other thing was, and oh, I meant this. This last thing on the overall philosophy for me, when they were up 17 three. And Sam threw the interception with like a minute to go in the half. I thought, oh no, here we go. This is going to be another Signetti sit on it. Like we've seen a lot the last, even the last couple weeks, we've seen this, right? Like shut it down, well, go they, to the half. Last, last, week they, last week they put together a scoring drive going to the half. Okay, they? yeah, you're right. They did. They kind of started it off with one of those like, we're going to run and see we're what happens. Run it, but plays, then they had though. a big play. Yeah. And then this week they absolutely – you know, went for it and drove right down and scored again. And the hardest thing, you know, God, <laughs> at halftime, we're all high-fiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about where we're going to watch next week, who can go to the game, can yeah. we watch at Dreeks and out, out back, like, yeah. you know. And it just uh, – that that makes it so much harder that we're all uh, – but I'm with you. I, that's where I am on the offense. I, I don't know what to say. Um. Uh, about that <laughs> about the uh, you know cole was great if that's the last game he ever plays for jmu it was a hell of an effort and it should it never really it should was. not go I, forgotten yeah he earned a lot of respect sure a did. lot of respect from the fans and you could see it from his teammates after the game by the way but yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah play calling to me was not the issue uh, um no. you know I, I think there was some panic in the coaches and the players there you know in the third quarter and then there was you know, some, some, some of that bled over to the end of game situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what you can do about your quarterback breaking his thumb, uh, you know, down the stretch of the game and then having to go to the backup with four minutes to go. Um, you know, it sucks for Gage. It's the second playoff loss that he's had to be inserted in desperate situations with no preparation. Uh, going, oh, also, yeah. I, I, I understand people being frustrated with that end of the game sequence, but I also, and people are going to say, Oh, coaches need to be prepared. Yeah, be prepared, but you also got to, you got to look at the total game. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I didn't have a lot of confidence about Jamie winning that game in overtime. And I thought you're getting down here. You got to punch it in. So like, I, I yeah. understand people hindsight's always 2020. 20. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, we had it on there. It would have only been, they're like it was in field goal range. It was still forty-four yards into the wind. Mm-hmm. You're pushing. Racky had a forty-eight yarder with the wind mm-hmm. in the first half. As long as the Racky's a very accurate kicker, he doesn't have a booming leg. Right. You know, so to go in the wind. So <sighs> when people Hard. say, "Oh, all they had to do is run up the middle and then just take three, that's not really playing to win. And everybody mm-hmm. says Signetti never plays to win. So I'll give him credit for going for it. And 
even though Gage is a backup, the guy's been in a program for a long time. You got to trust a guy to throw it away there. He took a sack that stinks. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's unfortunate. I'm not putting that on the coaches, nope. you know, uh, I, and, and I'm not even solely putting it on Gage. Sometimes things just happen. You like to say guys throw it away. But like, so I'm okay with them trying to throw the ball there to get the first down. They, they were not in great field goal range. If they were with the wind, yes. but no. all, And we know so, what the wind was like. We, I mean, yeah. the wind probably, if there's one play that I wish didn't happen in this game that probably turns the outcome, it's, it's that kick. play. It's that kickoff play. Yeah. And that was all because of the wind. So we'd seen where where it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll try to move us on to second down. Yeah. Um, I, I, the one thing I wanted to say, I mean, A, <laughs> I hope Antoine Wells sticks around. I don't have any yeah. reason to think he won't, but he could be incredible. But if there's one thing I could ask fans to do, if you want to think about this team in the season, is go back and Medea posted the full post game comments as a little special podcast. It's like 18 minutes. You can you don't have to listen to the first nine minutes of Signetti sort of hemming and hawing about the game in coach speak. That it doesn't matter to me. But the last nine minutes is Mike Green and Percy Ajay Obasay um, talking about the game, the loss, the future, the season, and what this season was all about this whole year. And to me, that was the best thing. I mean, they were both obviously minutes after one of the more disappointing losses of their career. Um, I would argue with anyone who said, I I don't think this was the most disappointing loss of either of their careers. I I think that was probably one of the two championship games to NDSU, you know, either of which uh, for those two guys, um, you know, green in particular, I think about the 17 game, but those guys talk so much about, what this season meant and you could hear in their voice. I mean, a, they're mature individuals who have grown up and are true leaders on this team. You could hear it, mm-hmm. but you could also hear them talking about those long pauses. I mean, they missed five out of six weeks in this season. They hadn't played well prior to those pauses as a team. No. Um, I think we all wondered whether the season was going to finish, whether the team was going to finish, you know, I just keep thinking back. Some of I mean, us hoped it wouldn't. No. I mean, I'll admit, right. I was ready to, to bag it. Just like, this bag, isn't yep. worth it. They're not playing well. Don't risk injury. But those two so, talked about what they got out of the young guys and the way this team came together and the opportunities that were presented to so many players who didn't belong on the field. There were multiple, multiple. There were five or six walk-ons playing in this game this weekend. Um, meaningful. Well, let's, let's just clarify. Can you know, I just clarify yeah. something for you? Say they didn't belong in terms of they weren't meant to be there in terms of the depth. That's what I mean. I didn't mean. But they they absolutely proved that they belonged with the semifinals. That's that's something to be excited about, not to hang our heads about. No, and I listened to Percy and and Mike talk about. Would you rather be Montana or Montana State, who had the you know had their state take it away from them? Would you rather be UC Davis or Towson, who just quit because it didn't you know before or during the season because it wasn't going well? You know, would you rather be UNH who just sucked after years of success? You know, I I think this spring season got this team ready. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about what they were missing Mm -hmm. this spring. Well, now as we look forward, we get to think about what they've gained, you know, and if they get back all those guys that were missing with all the guys that played so much time this year, I I mean, I think the sky's the limit. And if you, if you asked me before this Saturday, 
would I rather win the title in the fall or the spring? 10 out of 10, I take the fall. It it sucks because it's like you don't know. That's not a guarantee. Nothing's a guarantee. And this spring was right in front of us. It was on the racket this week. But come on, y'all. I mean, I I just – you know, we're not well, the tra- other thing, yeah. Todd, Todd, you talk about like every coach talks about what they want from their program is competition for every spot on the field. Mm-hmm. Jamie is going to have that in spades. Like mm-hmm. Liam Fernando is going to start if he's healthy. Like he's not, Jalen Green is not losing starting position. No. But they're also going to need to work a little bit harder than they probably thought they were going to. And those guys seem like, like guys who will thrive under that. You know, they're not going to shy away from that. So the rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. You've got these people who really are going to work hard day in, day out, knowing that they got guys behind them who are pushing them to get better every single day in practice Mm -hmm. and who are ready, willing, and able to step up and get the job done because they proved they could do it this year. Mm -hmm. So that's And we've heard from Green and Percy. They're both coming back. We've heard from Gillespie. He's coming back. We get Mm -hmm. Timming, Kidwell, Potts all back on the O-line, along with Fornado. You get the whole running back room back. You get the whole receiver room back. You get yeah. all the tight ends back. No matter who plays quarterback, the offense is in so much better shape than it was at the start of the season. Yeah. Right? You probably get Devin Ravenel back for depth at receiver. Um, on defense, you, you basically get the whole defensive line back <laughs> who didn't mm-hmm. play this spring in, you know, uh, Jalen Green, Isaac Gukwu, uh, Julio Ayamo. But you also, because they didn't play this year and you have guys that stepped into the lineup, you get some positional yes. flexibility. Yes. You, you get, you get the position where guys Mike can Green swap back. Green might be back in the middle in it the Might fall. be detackle. You know, yeah. and, and uh, Azanima played fantastic on the weekend. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it sucks, right? Because the defense, and this is one of the – I don't know whether I'm not trying to make an excuse here. They tackled terribly. This was their worst tackling game of the season. Now I will say that part of it, we have, this is where we have to give some credit to those two skill players from Sam Houston who are very good, right? Or the two receivers and the quarterback, like, like we haven't seen those players all year. We, We haven't played anybody like that. That little white guy with the long hair last week was not like this kid. You know, no, like Jaquez Hazard. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. Like it, it's, you know, that's where you can talk about the mistakes Jamie made, and I will not argue. And, and in a certain sense, Jamie did allow Sam Houston back into there. Or you can say they choked, or they they gave it away, they gagged it up, whatever. But we they also did. got a guy that took one sixty nine yards to the house, mm-hmm. and then followed up with an eighty yard touchdown punt yeah. return. Like we, we got to give him some credit. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Get, letting the defense or special teams off the hook, but you don't have plays like that back to back if you don't have some talent. And right. it's it both things can be true. Mm-hmm. Jamie didn't tackle well. Jamie made some mistakes on special teams. Sam Houston, that's particularly Ezra. That was a hell of a performance that guy put together. Yeah, and Schmidt made some plays too. The quarterback, you know, yeah, yeah. made some plays too. Um, yeah, and 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 for look, I don't have. Let's just do special teams now. They got to fix it. It's got to be fixed. It's, yeah. the, it's the problem on this team. I can make the excuse all day about the, you know, where the depth chart this spring. Hold on once. All right. That's fine. I got to yeah. sign something from my realtor anyway. Okay. Some sort of- so back to the special teams, Rob. I, I got no excuses. You know, they got to fix it. 
they had four plays that cost them the game this week and all of them were on special teams basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what to say or three of them at least, right. They punted the ball into the back of somebody's head. They, which, which Gave really a return. Yeah. And it's weird, right. Cause they made the goal line stand after that, but then they had to punt to the 40 and that really cost them the first three points, you know, well, it flips the field, flips the field. Yeah. So, and it stops all your momentum in the first quarter for whatever you're trying to do off script. Um, uh, and, and for all the, yeah, back to your play calling people, for all the people who are like, oh, look at the Sean McVay or the Kyle Shanahan script. Yeah, those guys score like three points in a Super Bowl, too, yeah. with their fancy scripts. So it happens to everybody, <laughs> you know? Um, but and also, like, it, yeah. what you're saying about, like, Sam Houston also had a hell of a defensive front. So in the yeah. first quarter, they came out and they were stopping them. And it's like, wow, man, I, I was really, really impressed. I was like, this is not soft Houston State. I'd watched them a week ago against North mm-hmm. Dakota State. So I knew they were good. But it's something different when you see them do it to your favorite team. Mm-hmm. And so I was really impressed. But to see the way JMU adjusted just sure in between the first and second quarters and started to do that. Like the other team's allowed to try to win too. Mm-hmm. It's not always just JMU failing or, mm-hmm. you know, JMU can do whatever it wants. It can dictate control and they're so much better. No, same Houston more than put up a fight. There's some damn good ball players. So. Yep. Well, to, you know, special teams have got to get fixed. Um, yeah. Oh, they got to find a spark. Uh, you know, the, the return game had didn't have much to offer, at, if anything at all. The return, you know, special teams has been, it was outstanding. I, I for you know, I, I'm sure I'm going to rant about coaching later, you know, and coaching comparisons. But special teams was at its peak during the Houston era, and it has been mediocre at best during the Signetti era. It's Signetti. It, it was biggest at its peak spot. during Houston, but uh-huh. I'd say it's historically good at JMU. It has been going back to good. Mickey. I mean, it, it has always been an advantage going back to the Scotty yep. days or uh-huh. even under Everett Withers, you know, Jimmy Moreland first became a fan favorite with his play on special teams. Yep. Blocking right. punts and things yep. like that. So yep. it's always been something JMU's done well. And it's largely to the fact that JMU attracts a much more athletic roster Yep. than a lot of FCS teams. Mm-hmm. And you can really put that advantage when you've got guys who are maybe second and third on the depth chart and they can just specialize on the punt coverage unit yep. or become a returner. Like yeah. it, that that needs to be fixed. And part of that fixed. does I mean, fall it, on Signetti. It does because Harry hasn't been put in. We, we've seen Harry do all kinds of great things and we haven't seen him be in a position to succeed and re- replicate those, you know, his best days during Signetti's era. We've got a Ratke, Harry's coming back. We got Racky coming back, who, if he comes back in the fall, can break every NCAA kicking record ever yeah. invented, um, yeah. you know, from the benefit of these extra eight or nine games. But, you know, a really reliable kicker. We've got a long kick specialist. Um, you know, they've got to, you know, they have talent in the return game, but they're not finding the returns the way they once did. You know, it doesn't hurt, by the way, that, you know, this is another place. Again, it's an excuse, but D'Angelo Amos played for UVA instead of JMU this year. Mm-hmm. You know, that would help a lot, right, in, in the return game. You know, um, there are things that happen here. So I, I'm confident, I, you know, I hope they can turn that around. There's no excuses. They got to fix it. That's the number one thing. On the defensive side of the ball, it sucks they had their worst five minutes of the year. I don't, there's a lot of things that went into that. You know, I, there's excuses about heat. There's excuses about the injury, that really awful injury to the Sam player that kind of killed the momentum in the stadium. Or, you know, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of stuff you could make up. But defense didn't play. You know, they got beat this week. 
But Corey Heatherman, the defensive coordinator, is the best move Signetti has made at JMU, was bringing in Corey Heatherman from Maine. He's been unbelievable. And the work that he did, he is the MVP to me of the entire spring season for JMU. The work he did with the roster craziness that they had on this defense, especially the defensive line, to be as dominant as they were for, except for the third quarter of this game, the rest of the season, is unbelievable. And the fact that Heatherman was probably in line to potentially be a head coach somewhere, and mm-hmm. for Signetti to go to a conference rival, you know, when he was coming from Elon to JMU and to go to Maine and get Heatherman, to me, was one of the best things he's done in terms of checking his own ego and doing what's best for his program. And, you know, I hope JMU keeps Heatherman for as long as we have Signetti because. You know, I, I can't wait to see what can be done with this roster and the talent they have, you know, that they're going to add back in for the fall. So. I, I'll agree with, with you there. I think Heatherman was terrific. I think mm-hmm. it says a lot about Signetti. Mm-hmm. Like you said, to kind of swallow his ego and take a guy who really is an up-and-coming coach, was coming off an outstanding year at Maine that mm-hmm. made a deep playoff run largely due to his defense in the running game. Um, and I also think it says a lot about Heatherman that he – was willing to take this chance and maybe delay gratification realizing, you know, he mm-hmm. could go from this to pro- probably like a top FCS job. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe a coordinator job in, in FC. So that's smart guy. I do think it's really funny that the JMU fan base since maybe mid 2016, when Trot turned around the defense, mm-hmm. JMU fans are loath to criticize even the slightest bit, the defensive side of the ball. And, and Saturday, to me, was the greatest example of that. As things are imploding and Jamie was suffering a lead and the offense touches the ball, what, one time? Yeah, it's the offense's fault. It's the offense's fault. I think we and, all still and, have PTSD from the Mickey days, to be yeah, honest. we do. Like, <laughs> I really I do. Mean, this later. was not – the one kick, I would say, was fluky. You know, special teams needs to be fixed. I agree with everything you said there. That is a glaring weakness. It's one-third of the game. People don't think of it like that, but it is. Mm-hmm. And you need to fix that unit. But that one kick into the wind where it bounced in between oh. the up man and the people are like, oh, he's got a fair catch it. Well, who's going to fair catch it? The up guy who's going like, it, yeah. you can see that breaking down. I will give them a pass on that call to fluke. Mm-hmm. But defensively, like that was like you mentioned, terrible tackling mm-hmm. um, on that one 69 yard run. That was some of the worst angles I've ever seen That's a defensive it. back take. It, it looked like, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos or something like, you know, the dad is chasing a kid and gets twisted up and broken ankles. Like people just turning around and looking over their shoulder and not knowing when to square up shoulders. It was terrible. And this one of the hallmarks of of JMU football, particularly secondary play, has been the fact that these guys haven't always been big, but like Jimmy, who I'm going to reference Mm -hmm. again, they just wrap up. Yeah, you Rashad. don't have guys who just you just just yeah, Rashad. You like you wrap up D'Angelo Amos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to just be a big hitter. You just need to get the guy down. Yeah, and so it enables us to have kind of shorter, lighter, quicker guys who can get out there and cover. This year wasn't like that. There was a lot of guys dropping shoulders and trying to hit people out of bounds, and we saw it against VMI mm-hmm. where we gave up a lot of extra yards. Saw it against North Dakota. Mm-hmm. We saw it against freaking Elon, mm-hmm. where guys come across the middle and instead of just wrap it up and dragging a guy down, they try to lay a big pop on him or, or they'd have the, you know, the, the Olay defense. There was a lot of that on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and those are things you're not used to seeing at JMU. And I agree with you. I think Heatherman is fantastic, mm-hmm. but it just strikes me as really unusual that nobody will 
ever point out that yeah, we've got stuff we can improve upon as good as Ewan is on the defensive side of the ball as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, there are backups playing on offense and everything. So I'm 100% in agreement. I hope Heatherman is here for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But just like we got to make some improvements with a couple things on offense and a lot of things on specials, they got to get back to the fundamentals, particularly with the secondary. There's too much talent there to give up an extra five or seven yards, you know, mm-hmm. on a lot of these catches. And pretty much every game this year, I think without exception, there's been one drive where the defense has just played soft or missed tackles and given up something that, that makes the score a little closer than this. Yeah. And then going back to the, the, the whole notion of Signetti playing not to lose. Uh-huh. I actually agree with that, but I agree with it on their defensive philosophy. Yeah. I think they go to this big, you know, 10, 15 yard cushion, mm-hmm. the old notion that the only thing to prevent defense does is prevent you from winning. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with that criticism about them taking their foot off the gas, but I think it's on the other side of the ball. I think they stop coming after people and there's at least one drive every game where they just seem a little bit lax and, and not bring the same intensity. They've always been able to get it back together mm-hmm. except for this past weekend when just all hell broke loose. But so I think that's a fair just, criticism. I, I really, I'm hopeful that we will see some improvement with the return of the two defensive ends mm-hmm. this fall. Um, well, pass rush helps everything. Yeah. Pass rush, you know, and we saw some quality pass rush this week. Like mm-hmm. JMU did dial up some stuff that forced Sam to make some mistakes of their own in the first half. And, you know, would like to see more of that. This was hard. Cause I think, I think the, the battle that the coaches faced all year this year with this unit and what they had on the defensive line was like, how much do we send with a lot of talent in the back seven? How much do we send extra guys and thereby, you know, sort of expose the quality part of our team, which is the back part. You know, because we can't get that much pressure with four. And, you yeah. know, we know the JMU teams of recent, the recent past have been so dominant defensively because of the pressure they've been able to generate with just the front four. And we'll see if they can get back to that at all. Yeah, Rob, no, I mean, I got, I, 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 yeah. I'm with you. Like, I don't think it was the fully stacked roster that some people make it out to be. It's still an excuse. They, they yeah. were 8-0 headed into this game. So, I, you know, I got to accept that. And I, and you're right that that we've probably been too. You know, too at times we've been too accept. Yeah, we've been slow to. We rationalize the away defensive mistakes, and we all scream and yell every offensive drive that doesn't end in a touchdown. Mm-hmm. As a fan base, we freak out and we try to diagnose it and we try to make it out to some great failing of our entire offensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. And anytime the defense gives up a long, you know, scoring drive. Uh, quite honestly, we're probably right about it. We just brushed it off as like one drive does not make an entire unit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm, I'm not actually saying that it's wrong mm-hmm. not to criticize the defense, but it's just funny that they are given, that unit is given the benefit of the doubt in ways that as, as a fan base. Oh, Where did we pause? Huh. What? How far back was that paused? Hold on. And maybe it's a good thing that we're having some technical difficulties on the night that we're saying some things we shouldn't. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but, but, well, that, yeah. that's our yeah. guardian angel for yes, us. Yes, it um, is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was progress this spring without that five minutes, Rob. You can't take that five minutes away, but you can hear it in the voices of Percy and Mike after the game that they know there was progress made this season. It wasn't 
worthless. It wasn't anything else. Oh, it's just. And it's a chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. It's the oldest cliche in the book, but like, there's a reason coaches continue to go that nobody respects us or because it works. Mm -hmm. You played sports. Yeah. I mean, the the big thing is like, you know, but. Yeah. Everybody talks about that. You always have the one guy, you're going in the game with the rivalry, and you always got the one guy who's like, oh, I talked to so-and-so on the other team, and you know they said, you ain't crap. Or anything. And you, it seems ludicrous, but it gets guys motivated. And so the whole notion of like, hey, man, everybody thinks you guys choked, you got nothing, we're the most talented team in the FCS, and, and we bowed out in those five minutes, that's going to drive you when you're, you know. Yeah, remember the performance against at the Fargo Dome at 16, off the mm-hmm. suspensions, when everybody said they couldn't win? That was what Sam gave this week, right? For them, this is the team that humiliated them, you know, four years ago. This is the team that led to the high watermark of soft Houston, right? JMU is that team for them. And then they were down 24 to three at the half. You know, this was the hunger that we saw from JMU. It's it's okay to give some credit (laughs) that the other teams have an interest too. And I just... Oh, I, I keep thinking ahead to. I, I here's my problem, Rob, and we're stepping. I'm stepping on overtime again. The 08 semifinal loss to Montana is the worst loss of my lifetime for me personally as a fan of any sport. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the loss that I got up and got in the shower every day for two weeks after that game. You remember that was back when you had like two or three weeks before the championship game. Right, you played the semifinal in December, and then the championship game, or that might have been the next week. I don't know what it was, but there there were a good two weeks right after the game. I guess that they would have played the next week. That at back yeah, then. that was, that was before. It was, yeah, yeah it was before that. Yeah, the other way. But I know I got up. I mean, I couldn't watch the championship game that year. I, you know, I, I got up every day for weeks, and and I was thirty or thirty one. I wasn't yeah. like twenty four, but. The problem for me was we knew what it was like from 04. We knew what was possible. I think in 04, we had no idea what it would mean to win the championship. It was the most playing with house money. Yeah, it was the most fun ride. They won four games on the road. They were underdogs throughout. It was fantastic. And then we all had this expectation like this is going to launch us. And we were really good for a few years there. And we learned in the few years between 04 and 08 how difficult it really was. We had the spot at Youngstown in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We had the fumble at App State when all we had to do was kick a field goal at the 10 yard line in the last minute. You know, and we knew how hard it was. And then we had that magical ride in 08. And we thought we were going to win the title. We thought I, Duke's never disappoint. You know, that's when that all started. And we thought nothing could stop us. We'd beaten App State. You know, beat Villanova. Well, then we had the playoffs. We had Wofford. Then we had the comeback against Villanova. Villanova. Yeah, it just seemed like everything was lining up. It was snowing. It was cold. We were going to beat Montana. And Rodney gets hurt. And I knew after that season, you know, we weren't doing it as in-depth as we are now. But you and I were, you know, were following the team very closely then. And I didn't know when we would get back. It didn't feel like we were going to reload for the next year. And there will be guys that will disagree with me, guys on those teams in 09 and 10 and stuff like that who felt bigger. But when the Tech game happened in 10, we thought, oh, maybe we have something. And then that season fell Didn't apart. Have Didn't have anything, right? 
And then we well, were we coming kind of, to the end of an era and we didn't know what was next. Right. And we were really, we, we scuffled around a little bit there at the end of the Matthews era. And, and I was right that the thing was, I was right in 08 to be concerned that when Rodney went down, there was going to be a pause in the, you know, in the building. And there was, and what we didn't know is it would take us until 16 to get back. To well, there really was get- indecision of the quarterback. Yep. Position. And if I could have one biggest criticism mm-hmm. of the Mickey era, and the Mickey era was overall a huge plus. Sure. Most of the, the reason we're here today. The reason we're here today. Um, but it seemed like every single year there was a quarterback competition, whether it was necessary or not. You know, a, a lot yeah. of fans, certainly I think the two of us would say, Dudzik could have been the guy a couple of those years, and mm-hmm. the team probably would have been better off if they went into, you know, August saying, it's Drew Dudzik. <laughs> or even if they said, you know what, it's Justin Thorpe. Like, just choose one. The extended mm-hmm. competitions, you just end up getting, like, the the 75% solution from both guys. It was we'll see, because we're going to do it again this summer. So Yeah. yeah but, 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 I mean, there's, there's, there's a competition one guy's clearly going to win versus competition who's going to start week one and always be looking over his shoulder. Yeah. You know, it, like, even when Dudzik won it that year, senior day, I don't think he started. Uh-huh. You know, the, the Daquan Scott played quarterback, you know, yeah. a couple of games. It was just, it was kind of a crazy situation. Like you didn't have the feeling that, that was sustainable. It wasn't like when Jamie won the championship in 16, after the way they did it by beating North Dakota State and the strides they made throughout that year, you felt like it was more of an arrival than a culmination of things. Like, okay, look, this is now, we, we've knocked off North Dakota State. We are now at that level. We're going to play year in, year out. Four championships. And guess what? We have. We have. We have. And that's the point I was making earlier. Like this is this is the level now. We're in the mix. Let's we don't want to be content, but let's realize some years you're gonna fall short. In 08, it felt like things are coming together. This was a magical season. We had the miracle comeback against Richmond with Scotty's punt return. We had the Hail Mary at Villanova. We had the comeback win against Villanova in the playoffs. We need to take advantage of this because you know this is a magical year. Mm -hmm. It's different than okay, you know, we got a shot, we're in the mix. And we're spoiled. Like this year I felt like, hey, you know, we're in the semifinals, as we've talked about the past couple weeks. You get in the playoffs, you get through the first round of the 16-team tournament, and you're like, anybody can win from here. You're like, okay, this is an opportunity. I don't feel like this is the only opportunity. Or, Jane, you just let it slip away because they're never going to get there again. So that's why this doesn't hurt as bad as like, oh, wait. For me yeah, no, and, and, and I think that I, obviously the circumstances of this particular season, um, you know, don't, you know, those are both circumstances involving JMU and just circumstances at large, yeah. you know, in the world, um, you know, make this a little different. It is really, really, really crappy to be up 24 to three and lose a game. <laughs> Like that sucks. That's, it it's sucks. Just, it's it's terrible, and there's no, there's never any excuse. And especially the way it happened within four minutes, minutes and forty five seconds, you know. And uh, was, well, and it makes you look back everything in hindsight, right? When we kicked the field goal to go up seventeen, you know, if we had scored a touchdown on that drive, how much yeah. different is that? You know, yeah. There's so many ifs and buts. But, you can second guess everything. Yeah, but come on, I, you know. The point is that when when 08 was over. We knew a lot of us who'd been watching the program for a while had a real foreboding sense of what was to come, which was late era Mickey Ball and a a little bit of a malaise, you mm-hmm. know, 
um, in a really tough time in one double a, when there was a lot of turnover, there were, it was strong. The, the whole level was stronger, but there were also a lot of schools making moves and moving on. And we weren't, we felt like we were falling behind all that time. And, and there was still, I mean, it was fun. Like getting to watch Arthur Motes was a treat. Oh, you know, I mean, I'm not to, saying it, that there wasn't was, I, right. I mean, there's lots of guys I love um, from that era that we had fun. I've, we've had tickets all through this era. <laughs> you know, we've been there every time, but, but JMU is viewed more at that time as a team that has won a national championship versus a perennial contender. Right. We were, Delaware. Say? we were yeah. Delaware. We weren't, we weren't, I wouldn't even, even say that. No, Delaware, we weren't even Delaware. No, yeah, we weren't even Delaware. No, we, we were, were I mean, Eastern Washington t- or somebody. Yeah, like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, a I team that had, yeah. I can't think of an equivalent. A team that had done it and and kind of got the benefit of the doubt. They were overranked in every preseason poll under yeah, Mickey. Yeah. yeah. But at the end, it wasn't – they were not anywhere near JMU of today. No, we needed 14 and 15 from Withers to get the program back to, to head in the juice. right direction. We, you know, and ever since 16, you know, all these things have started. This is the, that's the difference, right, Rob? In 08, it felt like the last gasp of the 04 adrenaline, you know, like this was our last hurrah of that era, sort of JMU football 2.0, I guess, right? If you take everything up till then as building and then that's the 2.0 era and everything since 14 has been building into what we have today. You know, Withers started the Alpha Dogs. Withers mm-hmm. got the started the locker room process, the uniform process. Houston got the indoor practice facility. They got more money, started to get more money for assistance. You know, started to complain about, you know, put us on a different level, put us headed in the right direction. Houston obviously got us back to the champion, you know, hanging a banner again. Um, and getting back to the championship the following year with the number one wire to wire team until the loss in the championship game with the five turnovers and the struggles against NDSU, um, you know, and, and then at the end, you know, we had a little blip <laughs> and, and we got friggin' beat by Colgate and Signetti put us right back in the championship last year. And we have problems on special teams that need to get ironed out so we don't give up fake field goals that are obvious to North Dakota State <laughs> and onside kicks that onside are obvious kicks to everybody BMI. sees coming. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this – and by the way, this one this week was a total fluke, I thought, right? There was no intention of Sam Houston to pop that ball up in the air. That was pure wind, no, right? No, yeah, that yeah. was so, – I mean, that was – Come on. I don't know. No. Look, we got that to fix, but the expectation is to be competing for championships. And JMU was almost there this year. It sucks. But I really, really, really like our chances in the fall. I mean, I assume that South Dakota State will be back. I hope they're back because I haven't gotten a chance yet, Rob. The only thing, the most disappointing thing about this is that I'm not going to get to talk about the twin white ride receivers on South Dakota State named Jackson, J-A-X-O-N, and Jaden, J-A-D-O-N, Janky, who they try to pronounce Yankee. Um, it's like Clay like Travis. Norwegian Dave, or Sweden? Yeah, it's like Clay Travis and Dave Portnoy finally stopped flirting and had babies of their own. <laughs> yeah, like I just it's you know, awful. I just I don't even know what to say here. Yeah. Uh, I was ready to go off on this, but they look like that, a machine. They they look good. I, you know, I uh well, let's not talk about it. Delaware's quarterback got hurt. I don't know what to make of the game. South Dakota State was really good. 
I, they might win this week. Nothing would surprise me. I don't know how much. I mean, I'll, I'll pay attention. I, I probably won't watch the whole thing. Um, so, hundred percent yeah. chance I won't watch. Yeah, especially <laughs> when we've got softball to selection show to get ready for, and and hopefully lacrosse. Preakness. Ready. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Oh, preakness. <laughs> cancel, <laughs> cancel culture. <laughs> having consequences is not the same as being canceled right? no. uh, anyway no. rob we should we should wrap up with uh the this season you raised a lot of money this week for the food bank in houston really not me i mean goodness gracious people were so generous this was amazing i gotta check like we we've been doing this thing kind of low-key and mm-hmm. we intentionally i don't want to say we slow rolled it but we didn't want to push it given covid and everything it was really we, picking up yeah, and so we've been doing this like whatever Duke's Mafia or, or yeah. Duke's helping others, whatever. We've chosen a charity every week, somewhat related to either JMU or its opponent, and just ask people to donate. It's usually a food bank yeah, or something like do. that. We we try to do something kind of non political, and we've been raising whatever four or five hundred bucks a month. I I got to check right now. We due to a couple very large donations by, by some yes, friends. Thank you. thank you. We we were up to like. I want to say like over $1,200 yeah, this weekend. This and this was through a Feeding America charity through Houston. Feeding America is one of the most efficient food banks out there. So for every dollar, they can typically provide five meals. Yeah. So That's- even in a loss, you know, for JMU fans to step up and kind of realize the bigger picture and do a lot to help people provide over 5,000 meals. We were probably looking at conservatively 15,000 meals. JMU fans provided this year through donating, mm-hmm. um, I can't wait to really try to make this a, a big deal. I would love this to be Jamie's calling card um, come the fall and years after, particularly given all of the complaining I've done today and the past couple of days about the fan base. Mm-hmm. I think that's a vocal minority, but I, I would love to drown out that vocal minority and show people what the real Jamie fans are about, which is good, honest fun loving generous people who like their football and also realize there's a bigger picture um i, I don't know i was just, I, I was really really excited this weekend thank yeah. you to everybody donated and let's focus more on that and this is probably more for me i should be highlighting that <laughs> aspect of him rather than the the twitter nonsense no. like i, I if, if i can just rant a little bit yeah, more yeah, go for that, it. like go for it it is funny that JMU has won one title in the past, whatever, X number of years. North Dakota State has won pretty much the rest of them. But most FCS fans view JMU fans as the enemy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think we need to take a step back and, and not view that as a, as a badge of pride, mm-hmm. but maybe say, like, who, who are the people that are giving us this impression? What are we doing to give that impression and i will todd you and i need to take some responsibility for that i know certainly the previews we wrote very tongue-in-cheek in in the past we used to take very very kind of yeah we did satirical thoughts mostly me mostly me no me too man fighting christians yeah Yeah. we would take a lot of shots it was all just fun for us because we wrote them for jamie fans we never had any idea that they'd be viewed by anybody else and that's our own misgiving and our own ignorance but we would just have a lot of fun with it. We'd make fun of these other fan bases horrendously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we contributed to it a lot. Mm-hmm. I did personally. Um, I know it started back North Dakota State. I had a preview that really got under their skin back in like 2009. 
Um, but we've got to find a way to like collectively realize like it's just football. I, I don't know why everybody hates us so much, but people really freaking hate us. If you go on message words, you go on Twitter, JMU fans are not well-liked. Um, well, there's two parts. I, 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 I mean, there's a lot yeah. of parts to it, right? One is yeah. that we win. I mean, people yeah. get mad at NDSU fans too. But, but they don't so, hate NDSU no, fans. No, like I they think hate part us. of it is that they are, you know, we are considered the East Coast. East thing Coast, comes into it. East Coast, Coast, Coast elite comes thing comes in a lot, right? And we add to that a little bit. Yeah, that adds a lot. And we don't, to be honest, we have not participated a lot in some of the FCS fan. The, the national forums. We don't, That's an excellent right? point. We like, have our, we've own, got our own thing. Right. Our Duke's Domain Forum has always been really active. Um, you know, and what Jamie we Twitter have. Is, I mean, Greg Medea. God, thank God we don't have. God bless him. But no more Matthew Stoss. Like, we've had great beat writer yeah. the last few years. Jamie, Twitter's really active. We kind of do our own thing. You know, there's multiple podcasts, multiple websites. There's multiple fan base things. We don't really participate big in a lot parties. of that. Like you right. Yeah, it's, and and we've done a little more this year with FCS football, like the Fans Nation page and stuff. There's been some people getting a little more involved in that, and that's good. And, and those then guys, the other those problem guys is, do a great job. You know, that like 60% of our fan base wants to go to FBS. Yeah. Right? Is another problem with this, where a lot of these other schools are a little more measured um, because they have more – I think our fan base feels like we've had the option and the opportunity in the past, and we should have it again because of geography, where I think some of the Dakota schools in particular, Montana schools, they re- kind of recognize they like, they'd be in a really tough spot you know, to find an opportunity just geographically. Like nothing makes sense for them where we look around and we see Charlotte and we see App State and we see ODU, and we think, why the hell are we not doing that? We, we're not here to have that discussion tonight, but I do think that's – not always been the best look for us, you know. Yeah, it just it, it yeah. it's hard to. I think your point about JMU fans in general not being as engaged with the general FCS fan culture mm-hmm. is a, is a really big one. And we also freaking love JMU. Like I don't yeah, think like a lot of people so... understand the level that our alumni is. Like we have a lot of casual fans who participate in things because they love JMU. Mm-hmm. who don't really know or care an awful lot about football, but they're happy to talk trash when we're winning, right? <laughs> you know, because they love JMU, right? I, I just, I don't know. That, yeah. yeah, and and, and I, again, I got to go back. Like, it, yeah. after what I wrote this weekend and how I was posting on Twitter about like, hey, we got to like maybe calm down the negativity and everything. I also need to say that I personally probably have a huge role, if not maybe one of the primary roles and Jamie fans not being liked because I just think it's funny. Like I, I view everything I tweet or everything we do. I'm purely thinking about Jamie fans. It sounds like I'm trolling and poking. Like I can understand how other fan bases would view Jamie fans as arrogant mm-hmm. if they saw nothing other than many of the tweets that I've sent out, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing it for them. And, and it's, I've tried to be more yeah, conscious. Yeah. Like I'm very oh. conscious. And I, you are too, about the fact that like we don't have a huge platform and we're not trying to make ourselves out to be big shots. But we do have a relatively big platform in the JMU world, and we do take take measured approaches to the fact like we don't want to be overly critical because we know people in the program follow us, coaches, you know, administrators, and we also know that we can kind of turn the tide and a lot of retweets and, and make it negative. So like we're very conscious of how we tweet with regards to JMU. 
I have no regard for how I tweet with regard to like, some <laughs> other, teams, like right. other teams. Like, I don't care. It's, I think it's funny. And a case in point, like, I will go to my grave believing Casey Keeler giving himself a PhD <laughs> at halftime was hilarious. Yeah. That, I mean, like, and the, guy, the guy's a good coach. I'm not saying he's not. The, he's the... What now? He tied Trestle. He's the all-time winner. Did he strike you this week? He seemed like he's the guy who's grown up a little bit the last few years too. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. Like, I, I, I thought it was hilarious the fact that he's like, I got a doctorate in in postseason. That's just a funny thing to say. Yeah. But then I looked at, it, I was like, the guy has won a lot of damn games. The guy's a really good coach. And as Jamie fans, we love to make fun of him. But the guy won national championship at Delaware. Mm-hmm. He went to Sam Houston State and did nothing but dominate that conference. Mm-hmm. Um. And I actually kind of admired the way that he went in there and, and didn't hang his head. It was just like, we're going to win this game, not coming on. The guy backed it up. I mean, yeah, God if you're on the him. other side, what do you want him to say? That's nothing more you could ask You don't cry. Yeah. So, big thanks to our fans for your generosity all year. Those of you that have stuck with us through all that. Duke's Mafia will be very much up and running. Rob, 97 days. Until Moorhead State, September 4th, at Bridgeforth. Hopefully with full capacity, P-Lot, D-Lot, all the lots, um, ready for some, you know, full full bore JMU tailgating next year. No FBS game next year. Trying to, try uh, casually trying to plant the seed about an Ogden, Utah, Weber State trip in late September. Um, we'll see. Uh, but How do you feel about the lack of an FBS game versus a marquee FCS game? I'm kind of indifferent to it. I think uh, going to Weber is from a, you know, everything that JMU does is about, to me, is about the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think from a playoff standpoint, I don't think there's any difference between going to a lower end FBS game versus playing at Weber in terms of our fans' interest and the FCS committee's resume. I do think that, you know, if we were playing at BYU or at Utah, for example, you know, there's a larger portion of our fan base that would fire up to make that. There might be a slightly marginally larger portion that might try to fire up to make that trip. Really? I don't know though. I'm kind of I go excited. the other way. I go the other way. Yeah. I, I, think I think our I think the hardcore fan base is going to be just as excited about this as those. What I don't know is like the Denver crowd, right? The Denver Dukes. Like, do you make the trip for the Weber game versus would you make it if we were playing Utah? That's all I don't know. Um I think you're probably right though, Rob. I, I think we're gonna have a lot of Texas people there. Um, you know, our hardcore fans. I'm just as I don't really care to be honest. I'm just as excited about playing at Weber as I would be about playing at you know low level. Certainly more excited than any of the group of five teams, like as far as a game. I mean, there's always some local type interest games. You know, if we could play, you know, when when we play Tech, that's more exciting (laughs) just because it means something to us locally. But in terms of just if we're just going to play a Western team. I, I'm just as excited to play Weber as I would be to play Colorado, you know, I, I think, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it doesn't really, that at that point, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't think it hurts us. 
Um, I do think the middle portion of our schedule next year is a bit of a gauntlet. Uh, you know, we were on the road at most of our tough CAA games for the people that I, I'm sitting here today in May, 97 days away from the season opener. I don't think anything's tough for JMU watching Delaware on Saturday uh, reminded me that there's nothing in the CAA that scares me next year. That doesn't mean we're going to go 11 and 0 or 10 and one and win easily. JMU's the favorite. If they yeah. get back what we think they're getting back, they're they're the favorite, and it's not it's really not all that close um, going into next year. It was disappointing to see Delaware go out so easy, but that's the way it is. Well, no, so. like if you see if you take Saturday's JMU game or JMU team mm-hmm. and face them up against any of the other teams on JMU's schedule this year, it's a thirty five point blowout. So yeah, yeah. The, the struggles against Elon and everything else we can. Talk. That's what I. That's what's great yeah. about the spring season, is I think the I think team September that played on Saturday. They, they, you know, they blew the game, but in terms of progress from the beginning of this season to the end, they're ready for September. Yeah, yeah, you know, and the the competition in August is going to be strong. Yeah, in uh, on the field. So, Rob, See, I'm actually I'm actually more excited about Weber State than a low-level G- oh, good. Like, group of five game. Like, I think we will be accountable. I do think it makes a difference in the playoffs. I mm-hmm. think that's an opportunity to really put a stake in the ground and say JMU's team deserves a you know, top-four seed. And, and I actually kind of disagree with you, too, in terms of I think more JMU fans will travel to that than a random Utah game. Like Colorado, you've got Denver as a draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, you play a team out west – that has a location of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are going to go for a reason. But I think from a football fan perspective, Weber State's a damn good game. I, I actually prefer that to a lot of the FBS games you've had in the past. I Clearly, think- I'd rather, you know, Virginia Tech or Duke or UNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, That's but- big. But like like some of those MAC teams we played in the past, or this is way better. This is way better. It's well, good, and I, love the, I, I also love the idea. Here's the other thing. The one thing I'll say for 100% sure is home and home. Great. We get them the following year. Oh, versus so this versus going one game to Maryland. Yes. You know, that's 10 times better, even if I can't make that trip, you know. Um, so that's really, really outstanding. And, and you know, the only thing that really hurts you is if you if you lose badly. Right. I mean, in terms of playoffs. Oh, then you're out of a seat. Yeah. Then you then you're really well, saying, like it's accountable. It does matter to the playoffs. Like, but if you a- go out there and you lose a uh, you know, a 35-34 game, I don't think that hurts you any worse than losing 20-13 to 13 to West Virginia or, or, you know, better or worse. So we'll, we'll find out. I and, mean, it, and if on, you win, it's a huge plus up. If you win, it's a huge plus. So we'll get there. Uh, that That's, you know, a little more than 100 days away, but we got Moorhead on 97. Rob, we're going to finish up tonight. Just a couple. Everybody's saying this is the worst loss ever. It, it's the worst collapse that we can remember in JMU recent history. It was the most sudden and surprising five yeah, minutes. We're up 24 loss. to three. We're yeah. all booking flights and talking about what we're going to do next weekend and, and thinking, wow, we might pull this off. We could win two championships in a year. Um, that's, you know, not the way it was meant to be, but I don't think for you or I, you know, you got a couple, what, what are your, you got any personal losses that sting? I know I've got a few that are a hell of a lot worse than this one. I mean, we, we've talked about one throughout this. I'll save that for you because you clearly. Oh, no. We can talk about that. Let's go with Montana's my worst one ever. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that that one was awful, and the way it went down, down there and, in the cold and Landers getting hurt and. Well, I didn't drive. I watched it at no. that bar in Boston. Not, um, oh, not the not, brewery, the, the like fake British Bailey's. pub thing, or well, Bailey's or Bailey's. Or, yeah, yeah. Or I don't. know. Bailey's might have actually been too full to get in, so we had to go to the mm-hmm. Overflow the next one. Right. And I had gone with, I think like Bernie and Gaster, who were kind of casual Jamie fans, but were a little bit humoring me to be like, sure, we'll go out and have some beers, watch the game, and so I was like hyping it up the whole time, and like, oh, it's so good. And I guess they had, had they joined us at the. App State game? Yes. I, yes, I think they, they did. So They've like, been kind of bought in that year. They did kind of a run, but like they were not watching every week we did. And you and I were just the biggest Rodney Landers fans. So yeah. when he got hurt, it was just devastating. And you know, see him coming to the locker room and he's not he's got the sweatshirt on and everything. But then Dudzik coming and yeah. stepping up, making that windmill play. It's like it it was more painful to me, like as crazy as Saturday was with that five minutes of just awfulness. Oh wait, it was was just worse. It was just because well, we didn't have the, the build. This this spring yeah. season was not the build up. I mean, they only played eight games. Yeah. Like it, it, and half the time we weren't sure they were going to finish the season. You know that we'd seen, and we, I just that Montana game. I thought to the very last play they could win because we'd seen them do it. It was like, a team of destiny. Oh yeah, year. it felt like yeah. that. Um, yeah, that was the hardest one. That one was the worst. Yeah. The worst. It's so much worse than now. And for me, 17, the 17 NDSU final um, was worse. It, it was way worse um, than this. I, I, I personally just was so built up for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, that season meant so much to me. It was the first year that we had done the podcast for a full season. Mm-hmm. So it was so exciting. I'd been able to talk to Buck Hans the day before. It's kind of our dream interview. Yeah. Like there was so much build up to it. I also just thought that team was going to win. I mean, I just thought we were better. Um, still think there were we were questionable calls in that game. Yeah, yeah, still think we were the better team on that day, and so yeah. that just hurts. We might have been the better team this weekend, but all the circumstances didn't build up the same way. Um, Nineteen sucked, but it probably was not as as angry as I was about certain things in nineteen. And, and yes, there were some things to be upset about. Um, you know, Trey Lance was the third pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, and it was I, a team that had lost to Colgate the year before. It, like, was. it, it, it was tough not to be happy. Proud we of back in yeah. 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 So from on a JMU standpoint, those are probably my, some of the toughest ones. I, I actually think the JMU softball loss to LSU in the super regional in Harrisonburg was tougher on, like, I hate that worse because that was that same feeling of like, this may never happen again. Yeah, I was wrong to doubt the program, but that was the team with Jalen Ford and Megan Good both. That was Good's freshman year, and it just seemed like if they were ever going to do it, and they it got like the to perfect a game, storm, and they yeah. got to a game three at home with the hill and everything, and it felt like it. Also, you know, we love FCS football. We really do, Rob. But it, you know. There are other power five teams pay attention to the softball world series. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that would have been exciting. It would have been unique. So those are probably tougher, all tougher for me, just from a JMU standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then I've got, I don't know, Nats in 12. You were there with me for that. Oh, yeah. You hate the Nats. Yeah. You hate but the that Nats. was tough. That was tough. Yeah, that was brutal, though. I mean, they're up. That was very similar to this one. 
in the sense that that was a game they were winning six to nothing. We were at well, the at the house. Yeah, I mean, everybody's like, kind of celebrating and looking. Yeah, I'd like, been oh my gosh, at game it. four the night before with my family. Was that the Jason Worth home run? Yeah. And then to go to game five and um, you know, and they're up six nothing. Bryce is hitting doubles off the wall, and you're like, here we go. And everybody, you know, Nats fans know what happened there. Um, but that's just was a nightmare. I mean, for me, that that, that I, other than Montana, those were probably the two hardest ones for me, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's multiple Caps ones prior to the Cup that are really, really hard for me. Even some young youth ones when we were younger, Rob. But oh, well, that, that, that was now actually that they've mine. Won the, now, now that they've won the Cup, it lost a lot of the sting you know <laughs> those were the ones that hurt me as bad as any other like i actually had on my list caps yeah. just all the caps all playoff the caps. losses all the caps, yeah because those are the ones that just got me because I, I i just they all had their unique things about them and i'm clearly i think this podcast has shown people like i hate the narrative of can't win the big one i think that's mm-hmm. why i'm so defensive of signetti like it drove me crazy with the Teams that I'm not even a fan of, like Kershaw was a Hall of Famer before last October. I know. Uh, you know, Ovechkin, Ovechkin was an all-time great before he came through. Um, Andy Reid, like it just – the Caps, their label is chokers, and sometimes they gave series away. Other times they just ran up against a hot goalie. or Those ones would stick with me for days. And mm-hmm. it's probably harder for me because it's the only of the – one of the, like the major DC teams that has ever made a run. I'm a Wizards fan, but what yeah, does that I mean, matter? We, we don't you know, really like, make a run, yeah. But like, I don't get into the Nats. I don't get into the, to, uh, the, the Gilbert football free team. against LeBron. You people yeah. are too young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that annoyed me, but it's like, man, I really wanted them to go to the third round. You know, it's, right, it's right. different than the Caps, <laughs> where they were in the press. It was like, the Caps ones really hurt me. And then I'm embarrassed to say it, but it was just like, there was a time in, in my 20s, and I think part of the reason I have such a, visceral reaction to people just losing their minds and ruining their whole weekends over JMU games is because I did that for a decade and a half or more with every Giants game. You did. I remember. I mean, it's like, and so like I was trying to choose particular Giants games and I was thinking about that awful one where they blew the lead against the Eagles and Deshaun Jackson, the part return, but like it wasn't even that one. Like I was trying to make it out to one single one. They would lose a game. And this is embarrassing. Like, I would not be able to sleep at night. Like, I would toss and turn. I remember living in that house in Oakland Street with Gaster and Million, and the Giants would start losing. And they go, I mean, they're not, Million's a Cowboys fan, Gaster's a Washington football yep. team fan. And they weren't talking trash. They'd just be watching the game. Yep. And the Giants start losing. And I would just get up and get in my car and drive away. Yeah, you would. You're, and you knew that your disappeared. dad was out in his front lawn was, doing the yeah, same thing. <laughs> just disappear. Like I, I was like Silver Linings Playbook. You know, like yeah. I was that bad. And I was never somebody who would scream or yell, no. but it would just eat at me inside. And when the Giants would lose a game, I would not be able to sleep on Sunday nights. I'd wake up. I'd go to work on Monday morning. I'd be okay. And then like I'd go home, have dinner, go to the gym, and then I'd start thinking about it again and just. It just it it was awful. It was embarrassing. And like what what kind of saved me is the second time the Giants made their yeah. you know, their most recent Super Bowl win, yeah. the Mario Manningham catch. Yeah, yeah. Both my boys were young at the time and they were young enough that we were like filming them during the game and they were watching the halftime show. And on the 
the like family video, you can see me in the background as my two young children who are toddlers at the time are dancing and screaming around and I'm pacing in the background, man with finger nails. <laughs> and I watched it and I was so embarrassed. And I remember like I did not enjoy a single second of that game until Manningham made that catch. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first time I finally took a breath and then it was a and it just made me was like, this is not what sports are about. I should not be that upset. So like, I it just, I think that's why I'm the type of person that drives everybody crazy when I'm like, calm down because I've been there, like all these fans are complaining, but I've been 50 times worse. Yeah. And thankfully I didn't have Twitter to express myself. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this season, I, I think there's also a difference in how much people invested or didn't invest mm-hmm. in the season. Right. I know for me, the 17 loss really hurt. Because I had, we were doing the podcast, we were doing all this stuff. We worked so much, we invested so much. I made the trip, and, and you know, it was really hard with our little crew to even go out after the game. You know, yeah. and that stupid game in Texas is over at like two in the afternoon, and you have mm-hmm. all day to like you're just just go drinking. I guess like it's so still ah, just the worst. Where you know, I had to be good this weekend. I had to kind of um, we had a little celebration. It was great. We had some friends over. Very casual, very casual JMU fans, mostly supporting because of me, um, you know. Guilt by association. Yeah, and, and it was. It was hard. I will say, you know, the, the halftime celebration, everybody was having a good time. Everyone's, you know, no, a lot of people didn't pay much attention after halftime. Yeah. You know, it was kind of. Because uh, it's over. It's yeah, over, they won. right? Yeah. yeah, and then it all falls apart. And I, I didn't want to be the guy who, like, was just miserable in the corner. It's a beautiful sunny day on a Saturday with a, with some friends for the first time in a year, you know, <laughs> like, um, and I, I just was really, yeah. That, uh, anyways. So well, I, I took two really awful down comeback about- losses. I took, cause we had little league before that. Oh, yeah. And James's team has only won one game uh-huh. was uh-huh. tied up going to the sixth, top of the sixth, um, couple of James had a Homer to go ahead so you're like, oh, they're finally going to win a game. And then his team coughed up the lead in the bottom of the six to lose the game. So ah. I was kind of over the comebacks um, by the time we even got to the JMU game. Mm. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> that's even worse. Why would your kid yeah. do it? It's got to be the worst of yeah. all. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us this year. Thank you for your contributions to the Dukes Mafia. Um, looking forward to hopefully, you know, gathering up all the JMU fan, you know, tangential adjacent whatever term you want to use media like us and really making a run at it in the fall for something good uh we know what we'll be doing for moorhead uh in september because we had them this spring that was the very first game we did with this we'll probably be Mm -hmm. visiting them again uh and it'll be fun to do it for the weber game when i think there will be a good jmu fan turnout on the road that might be a cool one do something good with i i do appreciate the sam sam houston fans who uh, you know, recognized, you know, what we were trying to do this week and appreciated that, that, that does mean something. And I think it would be cool to see it spread a little bit, uh, you know, to the opponents as well as just us. So that's great. Yeah. Rob, I had fun with you. We'll be back next week. We will definitely be taught, you know, obviously we'll, we'll have a lot of teams in play. I was going to say, I mean, there are banners yet to be hung this spring. We hope we really, really hope, and we'll really be watching softball. Uh, you know, we have, look, I hope lacrosse wins on Friday. I'd love to see them get another shot at UNC. I think that would be a team with a chip on his shoulder and, and excited 
to play if they get to get Sunday. But we'll be talking about lacrosse on next Monday. You know, we'll see what happens with golf tomorrow. But softball will be likely selected by next Sunday night, by the time we pod next week. And that will be good to look ahead to wherever they're headed. This is uh, They're doing the host site thing, kind of like the FCS playoffs did, Rob. So I don't know where they – Predetermined, yeah. Yeah, I saw they could go to Tech. I thought Virginia Tech is one of the predetermined sites. I have no idea what Tech softball, like what their situation is right now. Um, but yeah, it won't be at JMU, I don't think, um, to start. So there's no chance of that. So, but in any case, I think they're, they're in great, great shape to make a run at this. And I, I just, I hope for their sake, they get somewhere their fans can go and watch some really exciting news. We all saw today, Virginia's restrictions coming off sometime in June. So I think that means we can all you know, we got our season tickets lined up for the fall and yeah. hopefully we can all start planning uh, some really pent up, pent up tailgate excitement for, for September. Yeah, well, I just think as disappointing as Saturday was, we've got to be even more excited about the prospect of full stadiums, tailgating and a really, really good team this fall. Yeah, maybe. maybe yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens this summer, but I, I this is going to be very 08-ish in that way, Rob, um, or 17 would be another good comparison where I think this team is going to start the season in the top five and it will be legitimate, you know, like we will be ready for that. You know, um, like the, the 17 team was like that. The 19 team was like that, you know? Yeah. I, I think the legitimate point you make is a good one. Like that, that's an interesting kind of way to talk about it. Cause this year we all had talks about, we had, we didn't really know anything this year. If they were one, they looked like one of the top five teams in the country this past weekend. The last and, two weeks. And last two weekend. Weeks. Yeah, last two weeks. But five weeks ago, six weeks ago, as excited as we were, the voters were voting on Jamie's potential. They ended up being proven right. Yeah. Jamie had the potential to be up there, but Jamie was not playing like a dominant number one team. They were playing like a team with, with a history and a program that deserved to be right there. Um, in the fall, it, there's going to be no doubt. There's going to be no doubt they're going to come in. They're going to be ready to go. Um, the and the damn CAA can't take it away from them from some yeah. voting nonsense. It's going to be settled on the field. We get to play Delaware. We get to play New Hampshire. We get to play Villanova. Let's yeah. go. Like, let's get this done. You and know? it is interesting that the whole notion of the CAA North was so much better. Well, South Dakota State is very good and very well. They might beat anybody, but Delaware didn't look like – the North was so much better than the South on Saturday. No, Delaware looked like a team that had played. They'd kind of gotten fortunate in the two yeah. games they had played till up till then. Um, yeah, they scared me a lot less having watched them on Saturday. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. And, you know, we got a couple more. We got – I hope we got a month left, Rob, with softball, right? I hope we got a month of active games. Let's go all the way to Oklahoma City with this team. Yeah, you know, um, let's hang some banners, and 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 who knows what lacrosse can give us as well. But you know, one way or the other, we've only got ninety-seven days till Moorhead, so we'll we'll be looking. For, you know, we won't have to we won't have the doldrums this year as much as we usually no. do. So, no. uh, uh, great talking to you, Rob. I will uh, talk to you. We'll be talking softball next week. All right, have a good one. All right, go Dukes.
It ain't enough. It ain't enough.